0: back, your favorite podcast show of the week. This is Location Weekly. It's episode number 527, and we're recording live on Tuesday, the 27th of July. And uh, as you can see, Aubriana, if if you're watching the video, that is, Aubriana is not here this week. Uh, We've given her a week off. She's in the middle of her move uh, to New York City. And instead, we have the amazing, great pleasure to have the co-founder of this podcast uh join us this week to fill in uh in her spot rob woodbridge is here welcome rob how are you
1: Uh see it's great to be back thank you i'm great i am so very sorry that you are stuck with me instead of abriana there is no replacement for the incomparable abriana lopez but i um i will do my best, do my best. but it's kind of like when you introduce me it's like Mm -hmm. how many people turned off the podcast at this very moment
0: yeah well I don't know I don't know I I don't know about that I I think there's probably a few that you know from the old old days that are like super happy that you're here um you know and uh you know just it's always good to see you man um so and speaking of likewise uh I was just in Ottawa where you live this past weekend and didn't even get to see you in person It was like last minute trip on my part didn't give you any notice. And uh, so, yeah.
1: I was I was up on a river, uh, enjoying the great spoils of this region. So it, where Ottawa is, it is uh, it is right in the middle of some wonderful outdoors uh, activities. Where and so we, we uh, pile up a bunch of uh, people a bunch of tents, food, and we jump on the uh, on a river and we do some whitewater canoeing. This was the week seep decided to come into the city of Ottawa as I was on, on a river paddling down the great the mighty Madawaska River um, so I'm totally bummed and obviously zero connectivity out there detaching from the world but um, uh, I I, uh, I saw that you enjoy it, my fair city It is a beautiful city in the summer don't it, come it, in the winter it's a yeah, beautiful we, city we, in the we summer. had
0: a great day uh, a nice sunny day and and was able to kind of wander around with my daughter and explore and you know, it was kinda like we, we, we turned it into a little bit of celebrating, you know, her being eighteen and and then on the other side kind of a little bit of business and visiting a bunch of places using our Canon Trace platform uh, in Ottawa. So uh, you know, went to a place for breakfast that was amazing. You gotta go if you haven't been called Mazarine uh, restaurant, Rob. Take take your wife. Go have a good breakfast. It's really something else.
1: Restaurants in public outside, yeah, yeah, yeah. like in amazing, restaurant. Amazing
0: what amazing place! Um, yeah, and then we went to uh, another place in the Byword Market called Piccolo Grand, which is like a gelato uh, place. Amazing institution. Yeah, and then uh, did a quick little pass by the the National Gallery, uh, which also uses CanaTrace, and um, you know just check that out. Um, so it was good it was good and then of course we you know we, we had to go have a few drinks over in, uh, in Quebec uh, for the 18 year old so that was my uh, my weekend um, and uh, I came home to uh, you know obviously the the Olympics underway in Canada off to a good start and uh, you know both my Blue Jays and your Yankees are, are you know sort of puttering along right now and not really doing great things so at least we have the Olympics.
1: It's embarrassing, but you know I'll tell you. Like I'm an Olympics guy. Like I could spend all day, every day. In fact, I know I just turned it off, but I have my iPad in front of me all day watching the Olympics, all night watching the Olympics. My wife was so frustrated with me. She's like, "Um, because I'll switch off a television show that we're watching, and I'll and I'll you know because I need to see the 100 meter butterfly, uh, you know, uh, swim race. And she's like, you know, when you watch this in real life. I will allow this, but this is the Olympics and this is part of the, uh, I, I just love it. It is, it is for me, one of the greatest things and it's taking my mind off of the Yankees and their futility. Like the one thing that is inspiring, it's not that I'll ever be an Olympian, but literally I think you could put me in the Yankees lineup and I would bat better than the majority of them. And then you could put me in the in the Jays lineup as well. And I would only bat better than Jansen because that guy sucks. Um, so I think that there's hope. The, the, the way that the Yankees suck so bad Uh, I think there's hope for guys like me in the early fifties. I think they can still play baseball because I think that the Yankees are willing to take a, take a gamble on a guy like me. I'm, 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 I'm available.
0: Yeah. 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 I, we'll take it, Rob. We'll take it. Uh, Yeah. Can, can you catch, how how are you in a, in a crouching down, you know, on your knees position? Like, are you, that's what we need right now. Like
1: I could go, I could probably, I could probably get down into the crouch. I just, I probably couldn't get up from the crouch. So, like, once I'm there, I'm fully ensconced. Nothing will get past me, though. That's for sure. you, there you say, go. Uh, there But I mean, go. look, you've got Jansen on given plate, and, and that guy is only good at catching the ball. Uh, so uh, I don't know what we're going to. Well, Kirk, Olympics so Hopefully, play. hopefully
0: he can he can carry the lion's share of the games. At least he can hit. So, uh, anyhow. All right. Well, we, we have a yes. good show for you. No baseball talk. Yeah. Yes. We'll, we'll, we'll get we'll get to the uh, the goods here. We have a, a really good show for you. Four stories, as per usual, that we're going to cover off. Uh, and I'll let Rob start us off this week with our, our first story uh, about a, a Canadian company.
1: It has been a long time since I've done this, so bear with me and I will make this as brief as humanly possible. Um, and I still can't believe we're still talking about, uh, about selling uh, virtual space in malls, but that's exactly what we are talking about. I think that one of my last stories 19 years ago when we did this podcast together, was about the promise of augmented reality uh, and uh, in retail spaces. And this is a company called Area, uh, who is partnered, Area Network that's partnered with Brookfield Properties uh, for their virtual air space. So this is 150 million square feet in 100 locations across 42 states. And this is really just around uh, area using the space to create augmented reality opportunities for brands to advertise their content, uh, which consumers will be able to consume and participate in uh, with their phones. And uh, obviously ARIA, ARIA uh, network did the, the Super Bowl, um, the augmented reality components in the Super Bowl halftime show with The Weeknd, um, another comedian. And uh, they're hoping that obviously that this appeals to uh, not only the tenants, but the brands that are, are part, of the, uh, part of the malls, as well as, um, I guess, providing a great interactive environment for shoppers whenever they decide to go back to uh, the malls. But uh, I don't know, you know, I'm in and out of a mall. I'm not sitting and loitering at this moment, even though I'm double vaxxed and I'm ready to go and I'm ready for the economy to roll up. Um, but I, I think that uh, obviously this is something whose time has been slowly creeping forward uh, and is I have a question for you I see if is this it? like are we really finding the right spot for augmented reality? Is it really here, buddy? because uh, we've been talking about it, I think since the early nineteen hundreds. That's really where I think we started talking about augmented reality. what do you think?
0: <laughs> yeah, no so so I think augmented reality is definitely here now. we've uh, on the show in the last year, I think we've covered I, I don't know. 80 stories, at least, uh, on different augmented reality implementations. The social platforms, Pinterest and Snapchat and all these guys are all over this yep. stuff right now, TikTok, everybody's all over this. Uh, so, so I think it's, you know, it's hitting that mainstream piece. Um, you know, the, I, for me, this story, there's a little bit of good and bad in it. Like, I, I think good in that, um, you know, in a sort of coming out of COVID world where you know people are concerned about you know sanitation and touching things and so on you know navigating a virtual augmented reality mall directory or things like that where you don't have to touch something i think i like that i think that makes sense you know but most people i i, I don't know i mean i'm not sure what what the split is of people who go to a mall who who live you know in proximity to it and know the mall and how to navigate it versus people who are, you know, never been there before tourists coming in, you know, that need to actually find something, um, you know, in a directory environment or things like that. I think from a brand experience point of view, I can see that I see a lot of sort of uh, retailers playing around with augmented reality, trying to create cool experiences in store um you know that are sort of engage the audience engage the, the the fan base if you will a little bit and i like that from the point of view of um it, it being something that you know creates an opportunity to keep somebody there or, or entertain them in a way not just it's not just transactional um in, in that sense so i like that Um, You know, obviously, you know, the technology from from areas is world class, you know, it's been proven at the Super Bowl and and other places. What I don't like about this is that I think, you know, how do you get this from a distribution point of view to people like who's going to go download an app to do this and so on and so forth. Right. You know, and and, uh, you know, even if it's the mall app, like most people aren't going to download the mall app just to go and do this. Right. So. I think it, it faces that age-old challenge of any retailer or any you know uh, business. You know is how do you drive downloads? You know that are going to get you enough usage and enough um, you know install base that really makes this something that's worthwhile. Super Bowl makes sense to me because you've got you know millions of people you know audience in the stands in a captive audience, and that works, right? I'm not quite sure how that happens here.
1: You know, it's very interesting. I have this mental picture um, of a mall in good times with bustling activity, people everywhere, stores open, everybody enjoying themselves, economy's back up. And then somebody, you know, launches the app on their phone and it's and it's the augmented reality, and it's like boarded up windows, you know, for sale signs, like broken, dilapidated advertising. You know, billboards that are ripped, like that's the kind of vision that I have in here is that, that it, you know, you really have to provide something extra special in that environment for people to make the effort, as you said, to be able to go and do the thing that is necessary to be able to see it on the device. And and um, and maybe we're not there, but there's got to be a catalyst somewhere along the line, glasses, whatever that might be that that really makes this worthwhile, that isn't as cumbersome to use. And doesn't require super incentives to be able to download something. I think is the is the key that they that they that they miss in this. But yeah, we'll and, still keep talking about augmented reality, man. Yeah, and I think there's a Forever. place for
0: augmented reality, right? I, I think it's the, the challenges is, is as it's always been. How do you get this, you know, to to the masses, right? Like it works if you're talking about Snapchat or TikTok or whatever. They already have it if it's built into those apps on your phone, and you've got that install base. That's fine. Right. But I think getting this distributed is is the biggest challenge I see here. Functionally, I think there's value. Um, so. Yeah. There's, all right. On to our second. I agree. Story.
1: Like I. Yes. Yeah. let's 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 jump off of this because we could spend a whole show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you know, tell me to shut up often.
0: All good. All good. So uh, we'll jump over Sorry. our second story now. So there's a, a ad tech company called Real World out there that's involved in the um, digital out of home space. And they've launched a product called Q Digital Out of Home, Q-D-O-O-H to make uh, billboard ad buying easier. And so this is QR code powered uh, billboard buying and ordering. And the idea that they're going after here is they're really targeting, I think, uh, the SMB market, the local businesses, you know, that uh, maybe, you know, haven't bought billboard before, don't understand, The value of it don't know you know what's available or what inventory is out there and those kinds of things and so what they've kind of come up with is this simple thing that says here's here's an empty space on a billboard there's a qr code on it that we've put there uh all you need to do as a business is scan the qr code and you can kind of you know get the pricing buy it directly you know through that qr code payments all handled um you know it, it's sort of like a, a full turnkey service initiated by a QR code scan uh including um you know the doing the creative and all of that so like they kind of put it all together and package it up and you know in terms of the ad buy and the payment and and everything all tied together you know technically nothing really you know super new or d- different here they're just applying you know well uh human technology here in QR codes to, you know, automate a process and make, you know, the buying process super easy, um, you know, and kind of tying it all together with the, with the, the, the creative part of it. So I kind of like it. I think it's, um, you know, like, especially in, in smaller uh, markets, um, you know, where local businesses might be find, trying to find new ways to bring traffic back. You know, if it's affordable, I think this could be cool. What are your thoughts?
1: Well, it's it's a far cry from uh, when I used to go up with my can of spray paint and uh, do my own art on billboards, right? <laughs> like that was really the the, the closest to. You- yeah, I, I um, I mean, if they're I think they're simplifying the process, like I bought when I was with Lyft, I bought billboards uh, across the city, and it was a painful process, and it was a it took a long time. Uh, but that's just probably me because I had no idea what I was doing, so it was it just took a long time, and it's costly. Uh, so if they can streamline that whole process of, of understanding what the cost is, what the views are, you know, what the traffic is, all of that kind of stuff, and then being able to schedule it, I still love the idea though of of being able to scan a QR code, get some pricing information, get some artwork up there same day, and do a real time billboard. Uh, you know, obviously you have to get it to go through an approval process because uh, you don't you don't want uh, any kind of uh, bad uh, actors taking that over but it's not revolutionary, um, you know, they're just streamlining that whole getting the pricing and uh, buying it process, which is yeah. very transactional, but I'd like to see some action on the back end. So instead of me up there with a the spray paint. Uh, yeah, like and what, what,
0: in real time. I think what's interesting too, Rob, is is these guys don't actually own the the billboards. So they're they're acting as a middleman in, in just facilitating and streamlining the process, right? So, you know, the, the inventory, Owner, the billboard owner is actually they get all their their bookings and they get all their cash, you know, without ever having to talk to a client. In this case, um, so that's is that you know, good? Is that good? I I don't know. I mean, maybe for that first transaction it's good, and then after that you want to sort of build that relationship. I think, right? So.
1: Two-sided marketplaces like this are, are always interesting. Um, and uh, a lot of people use it just to find new customers and then then are no longer part of that two-sided marketplace, as you know. And, and, and uh, like I would think that with billboard customers, you would hope that you create the relationship because usually billboard is one piece of your arsenal when it comes to uh, out-of-home advertising. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting. I just wish that I could buy something like, literally, to, right now, scan a QR code, and then like like a Facebook ad, within minutes, have it put up there, approved by the the appropriate people. Um, and I would I only need it up there, I mean, these are digital billboards, of course. I only need it up there for 90 minutes Yeah. right now. You know, like th- that would be, you know, if you've got excess inventory, this is the challenge, is you don't want to give it away. You want to charge every moment you can. It's probably, I'm talking about my hands here, but I think that that would be very interesting. And
0: Real-time billboards. You, Rob. It's a future business for you right there.
1: When you're done with trekking, <laughs> attack
0: are at a home industry. There you go. Um, okay. On to our third story. Take us, take us into it.
1: Yeah. You, you you really queued this up for me very well. I appreciate this, Asif, because this is um, it's about Sam's Club. So they had this uh, service called uh, Scan & Go. Um, and, uh, and it was very successful, obviously during the pandemic, the pandemic has obviously ramped up everybody's, uh, um, dislike of touching things of being in stores and being around other humans. At least that's the way I felt that it was up in here in Canada, but they rolled out something called, or rolling out a pilot called Scan and Ship, which is really interesting. So at Sam's Club, you don't want to be walking around with like, it's just like the same thing up here as Costco. You don't want to be rolling around here with a thousand rolls of toilet paper in your cart so the idea is you scan it with the app, and it's just an add-on feature. There's, there's Scan and Go, but now it's Scan and Ship. You, you literally scan what you want, um, and it will ship it to you over the next three to five days, free of charge for Sam's Club members. And this is really interesting. Um, I'll tell you what I, what I like and what I don't like about it in a second, but what's, what's, uh, what's really good about it is that it also means that we're really looking at these these, amp- these vacuous areas like Sam's Club or Costco, all of a sudden becoming just um, showcases and warehouses for product uh, and or distribution centers, which is what we we're starting to see as a trend uh, with delivery. But one of the big things is that if you scan something and it doesn't have the color that you want or the texture that you want or the three-ply tissue that you want, they'll get it to you. So you can choose the features you want of the product that you're scanning and then they'll, they'll deliver it to your home in three to five days. So what I love is the convenience. Um, I love the fact that, that they're thinking in that mindset, like every retailer should be is delivery first. The greatest thing that, is, uh, that we focused on in this pandemic is that e-commerce is the end-all be-all. It is the growth industry. But once you buy something, you still have to get it to the human in a good experience. And that's why I've made a bet on Trexity here is that I believe that delivery is far greater than the actual commerce. The, the co-founder of Trexity always says to me, he says, and to anybody who listen, you don't find many um, uh, uh, unboxing videos uh, around the purchasing of a product. It's always about the receiving and unboxing. Like that's what you see online. So it's really key that the delivery has to be a great experience. So that's what I don't like about this. Three to five days is insane. Like three to five days is too long like what are we in the 1970s like three to five business days to get your product from a store to your home is ridiculous what they should be aiming for is scan if it's an inventory beat them home like that would be the greatest experience you can possibly have and oftentimes you're running out to sam's club because you need to go and buy some toilet paper or you're buying paper towel or you're buying something that you need right away you can't wait three to five days what are you supposed to use your hand what is this like it just doesn't work anymore so I have this I have this problem with with the the promise of delivery and then the outcome of delivery three to five days is too long. So it can't succeed with three to five day delivery unless it's a bed or something a monument like a dryer yeah, sure, or something or, like you know, that. Yes. Um, yeah. But even then, man, you, you want to create brand loyalty around Sam's Club uh, more so than they have. Uh, wow them, knock them dead. The delivery has to beat them home. That kind of same day, one hour delivery from Sam's Club with this thing would be unbelievable, unparalleled. Um, and you know what? Quite frankly, they're giving it away for free as Sam's Club member. They could charge a different tier for one hour delivery, just like that. They could say, if you want it before you get home, you get a you get a priority. It costs you five bucks extra on your on your Sam's Club membership, or you're a premium Sam's Club member. It's the tiered approach. And if you're just a common Sam's Club member, it's three to five days. Nobody will stay there. Nobody will stay there. I guarantee they'll get a bump in revenue. Um, and that's how valuable delivery is. So I love this. I love that they're focusing on delivery like this. The convenience and not having to shove, you know, a thousand rolls of toilet paper into your meeting, Cooper.
0: Yeah, so quick comments on this from me. I, I completely agree with everything you've just said. I think the delivery piece is key. I think the, the, the timing needs to be much better. I, the tiered system you talked about, I, I think, makes sense what, just to, to go in a slightly different direction, the one thing I, I, I like about this, too, is that it's sort of, you know, the showroom aspect of the store, um, and then sort of yep. platforms like this that allow you to say, okay, yeah, here's that TV, or here's that, you know, sofa, or whatever I'm looking at. Um, but, you know, digitally available in this, in the app platform, you can see, Multiple colors, multiple sizes, multiple different options that they don't have the space necessarily to carry every variant uh, in the store. So, so that ability, I think, is is you know is a powerful piece to this. And the thought that was going through my head, Rob, as as I was listening to you uh, walk us through this story, is I don't know if you had this in Ottawa, Rob, but growing up here in Toronto as a kid, I remember we used to have a retailer here called Consumers Distributing. And you would walk into these stores, of course. You, you would walk into these stores and it would like there was no products in the stores. It was just a bunch of like, you know, long tables with catalogs on the tables and you would like flip through the catalogs, find the thing you want and then order the thing. And there would be somebody there to take your order and, and do all that sort of stuff and process that and then they would ship it out to you. I wonder. I wonder if technology that we're talking about here today could be sort of the rebirth of a consumer distributing type of model. Um, I don't know, but but I agree. That, that was an interesting sort of thing that just popped into my mind out of nowhere uh, as I was listening to we this. We see it,
1: you know. See, we see it all the time, uh, especially over the last 16, 17 months, as as retail has taken the brunt of, of what's going on with the pandemic. But uh, there's a a local institution here, and it's national now, and you may have heard about it. It's called Lee Valley Tools. So Lee Valley Tools really embraced this approach as well. So they have six locations across the country here, flagship being in Ottawa. And what they have is a showcase room on the front. It's small, square foot. And then they have their massive warehouse where you go up with, like, like consumers, like you say, like. Here's the SKU, I want this, and yep. and uh, and they go in and they package it up for you and you meet them around back. And so they had these retail stores across the country. And their approach now is they're not retail stores anymore. They're distribution centers. Yep. So everything in there is just inventory. You go online, you buy your product, or you you can walk up and you can you can browse the showcase, but everything gets shipped out from these six locations. So they've converted their stores into shipping hubs. And, and that makes a lot of sense. And, and so they've really kind of done this hybrid consumers distribute. We talked about it all the time when we were talking with them about consumers distributing model, which is catalog, the new catalog. Buy. And, um, and that's what I think of often. We're going back to that moment. Here it was at Westgate Mall in Ottawa, where you would go in and it was just a counter. And, I, and you would get that. Remember, that you would get the catalog. It was like yeah. 10,000 pages. Yeah. And just leaf through the catalog and pick what you wanted exactly yeah so,
0: um i like i don't even, i am not sure 100 percent on this but i i i feel like my first uh i had a um a uh, an atom computer um back in the day and i think we bought it through consumers distributing if i if i'm correct on that probably from a catalog
1: That's uh, funny
0: that but it's, uh, it's
1: exactly but that's what it did. It was eaten up and then they yeah. went out of business and they yeah. just were a little bit ahead of their time.
0: Crazy. Anyways, maybe so cool. maybe, maybe that'll come back, too. All right. On to our uh, our final story for this week. Uh, there's a, uh, you know, a um, a French uh, perfume company called Cody, uh, C-O-T-Y out there. And they're, you know, like a lot of uh, consumer brands, uh, you know, that sell in physical retail. You know, they've uh, COVID has kind of really changed things for them in terms of the way product sampling is done. If you've ever walked into a Hudson's Bay store or Nordstrom or, you know, uh, you know, uh, Carrefour or whatever, um, you know, and you go into the cosmetic section and you you walk through the perfume, you, you smell all the stuff. And then usually there's, you know some uh some person there that's got the little sample bottle out and they're like hey do you want to do you want to try this out and they'll you know do a little squirt on your uh on your wrist or you know on the little the little piece of paper nobody wants to do that anymore because it's COVID. you don't want to touch anything we've been talking about that all show and so they're trying to figure out how do they how are they going to kind of get people exposed to their newer brands and, and kind of you know get product sampling happening so they've come up with some technology to do this. They've developed a, uh, a custom built uh, sort of distribution uh, system. So it's a, it's a little device that basically houses the perfume bottle um, and has a way to sort of uh, count how many samples have, have been uh, handed out. Uh, so they get some metrics from this as well that they didn't have in the old way necessarily uh, the manual way of doing this. Uh, so you, you basically kind of go up to the thing and uh, it kind of spits out like one squirt of, of the perfume onto your wrist or onto a you know the, the piece of paper. Um, and then you can try it out that way and, and so on. I think the real value here is, you know, besides the touch free is the metrics piece that, you know, is kind of a new thing. Right. Um, you know, when you're doing this in an automated fashion, you know, with tech versus people, um you know who knows how many squirts how much wastage you know there might be with that i don't know right i'm not a perfume person but um you know like the reality is is this stuff typically isn't cheap right you go in, it's it might be a hundred dollars for a bottle or more you know of this stuff so it's it's you know it's a high value item and uh or luxury item and um you know the i guess you you know the the less you can kind of waste and and the more you can kind of count and have metrics around that is interesting you know i think what would be cool uh would be to tie some sort of um location data uh, around the people who are coming and interacting with the device so if they could have some sort of beacon or proximity uh piece built into the actual sampling device and that can somehow pull data uh, or ping mobile the mobile devices of the people coming up and, and you know getting the samples, and then you could measure, um, you know, back to transaction or you know are they are these are these people regularly getting samples or not or you know, demographic data or things like that. Like I think that would be even more interesting to see. And and you know obviously we have lots of people in the location-based marketing association that do those kinds of things. But I would love to see that sort of level of, of uh, data added to what they're already doing. Your thoughts?
1: Now, I always think back to the, those early days. Remember, like we, we covered this in 2016, 2015, 2012, somewhere around there, where we were talking about scents over the internet. Remember, we yeah. were talking about having these little devices that you plug into a USB port on your computer, back when they had USB ports, um, and, uh, and it would basically fabricate the smell. Uh, I made fun of it all the time. And that, that, the first thing that came to my mind is like, why isn't that now dominating the world when it comes to this during during COVID times? Um, I know that my 14-year-old son would just send his heart smells the whole day and it would just be hysterical <laughs> to him, but <laughs> terrible to everybody else. Um, but, but it would be something, you know, I, I think that. I wonder if if the time has come for those to be gone, Uh, you know, uh, we're seeing some fundamental shifts as a result of what we will and won't tolerate anymore around humans and uh, and I mean I never tolerated the cosmetics area in a a department store anyways Um, and uh, thankfully neither did my wife. but I would always think that, you know, some certain things, certain procedures that we used to go through will be gone forever, and maybe this is one of those things. Maybe there's no rescuing this. Maybe this is a problem that doesn't exist uh, be- after after the pandemic has uh, has dissipated. Um, I, I don't know, but uh, I think it'll be interesting to watch that space. Um, so I, I'll go the exact opposite to you. as I'd say that will this be around? Will this be a common behavior? Yeah and are they attacking the right problem? Uh, it, it, state, I, I uh, think that's, that's a great so.
0: question, right? I think, I think you ask a valid question. And I think there's there's some things that, you know, some industries and some segments that I think are really going to struggle coming out of this, right? And, and I think, you know, for, for me, you, you know, things like, like cosmetics as an industry, whether it's perfume or makeup or, or what have you, I think is one of those because you, you look at it and go, how many people are going back to the office and, and want to, you know, sort of take, you know, all that extra effort to get ready, you know, and, you know, add these things in, you know, I had to do
1: that this morning.
0: You know, what is that? Yeah. You know, like, what does that look like? Right. In terms of metrics. And, and so then, yeah. you know, how, what, how, what's the incentive to, to put on all this makeup and, you know, make sure you smell extra nice and, and whatever and whatever, I don't know. Right. Um, but but I think I think there's a lot uh, a, a lot to be figured out right as as we start to come back to work and and we see what you know companies are going to make employees do and and things like that so it's
1: interesting I, I think you know what's interesting to see if it's, it's just got to be like this progress um, back to a progression back to the way that we were into office space and I think the the thing that I struggle with the most um, are pants. Like, I'm going to have to start wearing pants again if I decide to go to the office, because I yeah. think that it's frowned on not to. And, uh, and, and so, like, you start there. Like, first, you, you realize that you can't wear slippers all day. You have right. to kind of transition into normal shoes. And then the next thing is you have to wear pants. You can't just wear shorts or, or sweatpants, for example. Yeah. Sweats uh, have now dominated the world. And then it's kind of okay. You have to wear a different shirt the next day. You know, like the, just psychologically getting this. And then you kind of work your way up to the point. Okay, now I have to put deodorant on. and Now I have to do my hair. And now I have to take a shower every day. You know, those are the kinds of, like, I yeah. think that we're, we're, we're 77 steps until we're back at the cosmetics counter getting samples, you, you know, and, and thinking right. that through. So I think that, you know, as we're going to attack problems, I mean, this is just me I'm talking about, but but the first one is um, I can't wear white socks with sandals. So I got to work on that or else I get ridiculed. There there was this great little study that they just pulled out and said, as you age, I just saw this morning, so I'm totally going to misquote it, but it basically was the same thing is that anybody in an older category has, the one thing that they've let go, it's not the physical activity, like the younger generation has let go of their physical activity during the pandemic, they've let go of their eating habits. I think us older guys have, have maintained physical activity and eating habits, but the one thing we've let go is our grooming. Um, and I can attest to that because the co-founder of Trexity, his hair is quaffed. It's perfect. Alok, he gets a Barber comes in every three weeks and cuts it. And I went like seven and a half months without a haircut. And I didn't even think about it. And I got my haircut and they're like, who is that guy? Yeah. So, I, you know, I focused. It, it's just the disparities that I focus on physical and mental and healthy well-being during this period of time and not my grooming. Uh, it's why everybody had a beard for a while and, and, and the younger generation is focused on, on grooming, but not anything else. That's what the study basically came up. And I think that, uh, so we've got a long way to go before we're sitting at a cosmetic counter green spray with, uh, with the latest Hugo Boss.
0: Well, Rob, I don't know. You, you still look good. You still look young to me. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we appreciate you coming on and, uh, filling in this week. Uh, it, it's been really great to have you here. Um, so thank you so much. Uh, thanks, that. man. Um, and, My
1: total uh, pleasure.
0: Yeah. So, you know, for the folks listening and watching, this has been episode number 527 of Location Weekly. Of course, we'll be back next week. Uh, Aubriana should be here, and if not, maybe Rob will be here too. Who knows? Um, but um, maybe,
1: we'll was... every five hundred episodes.
0: Yeah, maybe all five
1: hundred episodes. You know,
0: yeah. <laughs> we'll be on next week. But anyhow, have a great week, everybody. Uh, we'll uh, we'll see you soon.
1: Take care. Bye.